Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, Senior Minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today. Thanks, Jonathan. Talk about putting pressure on me. I mean, you know, I got a come pitch hit, and he wants me to follow that. Wow. We, we are blessed to have such amazing vocalists in our choir. We are blessed to have God in our presence. We are blessed because each of us are here and we all bring to the table what is needed to be the kingdom and the body of Christ. Let us take a moment and pray. Gracious Lord, I pray that as we bask in the the wonder of song, as it reverberates not in this building but within our soul, that we would also be able to hear your voice, your words to us today. That you would speak to us and give us, each of us, what we need from all that is happening here today. Be in the music, be in the scripture that I read, be in the words that I will share. And Father, help us listen and be attentive to receive your gift so that we may then share it with the world. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our scripture this week is a continuation somewhat of what Glenn preached Last week, it comes from John 21. I'm beginning in verse 15 and reading through verses 22. And I'm reading from the Common English Bible. When they finished eating, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Simon replied, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. Jesus then asked a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Simon replied, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus asked him yet again, or said to him yet again, take care of my sheep. He then asked a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was sad that Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? And replied, Lord, you know everything, and you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. I assure you that when you were younger, you tied your own belt and walked around wherever you wanted. When you grow old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will tie your belt and lead you where you don't want to go. He said this to show the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And after saying this, Jesus said to Peter, follow me. Peter turned around and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them, the one who had leaned against Jesus at the meal and asked him, Lord, who is going to betray you? And when Peter saw this disciple, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about him? Jesus replied, if I want him to remain until I come, what difference does that make to you? But you you must follow me. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. This past week, really for a 
nine days or eight days, I was down at Polly's Island at a, a family celebration. Uh, Mary Jack's oldest son uh, was married there, and I was the officiant. It was a wonderful week, and one of the great joys of it is that it was a destination sort of wedding because family came in from both sides, and instead of leaving after all of the, the meals and festivities, we, we stayed together. We were there, most of us, until Tuesday or Wednesday, and we got to get to know each other and spend time with each other without the stress and the worry of the wedding. My daughter Allison, or Allie, was there, and, and she and I have been going to the beach since she was seven years old, or even before. And one of the things we love to do is we would love to walk along the beach and look for shells. And we got some time to do this this week. And, and since Mother's Day was coming, as it is here today, we spent some time talking about my mother, her grandmother, who died in April of 2019, we talked about Granny and, and who she was and, and her love and the way she shared it and her peculiarities, and, and we just thank God that she is now at peace. And I decided to tell her a story that she had not heard before because we also talked about my grandmother and uh, how she got the name the Great White Mother. And I, I told her this story, which was kind of the beginning of it. Uh, my mom loved to shop. She had the gift of shopping. I remember when I helped her move here from Annapolis in 2015, I said, Mom, let's get rid of some of your clothing. She had a fifth bedroom that was nothing but clothing racks. We're talking about, you know, like going to the department store. It was just filled with dresses and pants and all kinds of clothing and stuff that she just liked and wanted to buy. And we were able to give many of that thing, those things away to charities and people could use them. And, and lo and behold, um, when she died, I went to clean out her, her home and she filled those closets right back up again. <laughs> so you'll understand the context of this. My mom loved to shop. I was a little boy and we were at a department store. I was probably six or seven years old. It was towards the end of the day and I was tired and I saw a rocking horse. So I decided to sit down on that rocking horse and I just started to rock back and forth. And my mom at first said, well, that's great. He's, he's going to take care, he's going to entertain him. He'll be fine. He'll be safe. And she continued her shopping and the store was closing and she came, said, it's time to go. Let's go. No. She said, mean no? I said, mm-mm. And, and, you know, she continued to encourage me and I kept, I didn't want to get off the rocking horse. I'm not sure what that was about, but nonetheless, I, I stayed and, and then a clerk came over and said, young man, it's time to go. We need to close the store. You, you need to get off the rocking horse. No. And, and finally, the store manager came over and said, I'll give you a sucker if you get off the rocking horse. I'm like, no, nah, they ain't going to do it either. No, I'm not leaving. And he said, you know what? If, if you um, don't get off the rocking horse, we're going to close the store. We're going to turn off the lights and you're going to spend the night here. And I said, really? <laughs> finally, my grandmother, who was given the name the Great White Mother, came over to me. And she whispered in my ear, and I got off that rocking chair so quick, it was, oh, you wouldn't, and I ran right to my mom's side. My mom never asked what my grandmother said, but my daughter did. And what she said is, Brett, my, my sweet child, if you don't get off that rocking horse right now, I'm going to beat the stuffing out of you. 
Thankfully, God does not treat us that way when we say no, or we stumble, or we fail. And I think as we, we come to these verses, many times we're focused on, on Peter's failure and his denial, especially in the light of it happened as the day when Jesus was crucified. Mark 14 tells us a story in detail. It's Mark 14, 27 through 31. If you want to look those verses up later in the day, but Peter said, I, I, I will follow you you go. I, I will not forsake you. I will even give my life for you. And, and, and I'm sure that when he said that, he meant those things. And yet he could not hold true to his word. I suspect all of us have been there. We have said things that we meant, that we, we truly meant to follow through, but because of life and situations and circumstances, we didn't always do what we had promised to do. We see this story as a reinstatement of Peter. Three times Peter denied Jesus. Three times Jesus asks Peter, do you love me more than these? Do you love me? Simon, son of John, do you love me? I mean, it is a powerful, touching story of God's compassion and God's grace, which is given. But I wonder if there is more to it than that. You know, over the years, I have sat with this story and the, these moments, and, and quite honest with you, uh, through my own times of failure, where I was unable to do what I had promised. And I've come to believe that there is a question here for all of us. The question is, you know, what is your center? What is the foundation, the grounding of your life? And I believe, as I looked at this, there were some questions or statements that emerged because our center truly must come from the life we live and the experience we have of God's grace, which comes to us through our faith in Jesus. And this first question of the movement is, who do you want to be? Who do you want to be? I sometimes wonder if our, our lives and our faith are, are, are driven not so much finding the center and, and realizing we can stand firm no matter what happens, but moving from one episodic moment to the next. From one mountaintop experience, from one worship service, from one Bible study, from one prayer group, from one retreat, from one moment to the next, from one spiritual practice, one workshop, rather than just realizing that God is in every moment of our lives. God meets us where we are within the current context and reality of our lives, no matter what is happening or has happened. How do you answer the question, who do you want to be? Is it shaped by these mountaintop moments? Is it shaped by seeking one experience after the other? Or is it really in the mundane day-to-day -day reality of choices we make and how we interact with one another and how then our faith guides us. This past week, because I was at the wedding, I, I missed Merlefest. And, and I kind of joked with Mary Jack saying that, you know, Merlefest is happening. She said, 
do you wish you were there? And I went, well, maybe. And she looked at me and said, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, kind of, sort of. No, I, I, I really wasn't. I love Merlefest, but um, that moment last week was one of the highlights of my life, being part of this family and being there. But one of the things I enjoyed about Merlefest is I would often go and I would not only just go and sit in chairs, but I volunteered to work there. I worked the stage crew many, many years. I got to meet people like David Holt and John Cowan and Peter Rowan and Sam Bush, even Doc Watson himself. I was there the year that, oh, my brain just slipped out of gear because it's not in my notes. Who's the lead singer for Led Zeppelin? Help me out here. Robert Plant, thank you very much. I was there working stage when Robert Plant was there, even though I forgot his name. And I can tell you that I, I, I bumped my head in Sam Bush's tour bus. He was about to say, watch your head, oops, too late. And these are amazing people who are gifted and talented. And I can tell you that it was really cool, but it was not life-changing even for a moment. As I look at it now, I mean, all of my life kind of runs together. Everything happening and, and God using all of it as a tapestry, tapestry, reaving my life into what it needs to be rather than what I think it needs to be. Allowing God to meet me in the everyday realities in the midst of it, both the joys as well as the struggles and even the failure. I am sure that's where Peter was as well. As Jesus asked him these words, they must have stung deeply. I suspect he wondered, what does he mean? What is he saying here? These were not words of accusation. I think they were words to affirm him, to let him know that he was more than the failures, that he was more than the mistakes that God was with him, that Jesus' love had not changed for him. I believe he was asking Peter, so who are you? Who are you? Where is your center? What is your foundation? Do you love me more than these things, or are you trying to replicate or avoid some experience that you wish you never had? I hear Jesus saying, we must accept God's love to find our truest self, knowing that Jesus and God are with us at every moment. There is no more sacred space or place than now. Not necessarily here, but in the now, in the present. All we have to do is just fully embrace who we are and how much God loves us no matter where we find ourselves. This second movement is very closely related to the first, who are you? Can you accept who you are? I mean, I believe Jesus asked him these questions because in many respects, I suspect Peter was retreating to something he knew well. Fishing was easy. It was second nature. He didn't have to think about it. He couldn't dwell upon it. He would just kind of live in that moment because it was natural to him. It's what he'd done his whole life. And many times when we find ourselves having stumbled or fallen, we will retreat back into something that lets us numb out, lets us pull away, lets us not think about what we have done or not done. But in truth, if we look at the foundation of our faith, 
It began with the great Shema of the Hebrew people and then Jesus' great commandment that we are called to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and neighbors ourselves. This is not even possible until we first understand and God's love for us, but also love ourselves deeply flawed and yet still deeply loved. I think the transformational power in our faith is this awareness, the acceptance of our perfections or imperfections and our failures. And, and this spiritual truth is how we grow deep in our understanding of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. We learn more by doing it wrong than we ever do by getting it right. And I know that sounds backwards, but I, think about it in life. Some of the greatest learning experiences of my life have not been when things went well or they just fell together, but when I made the mistake and I had to go back and look at it and say, what did I do wrong? What do I need to do better? What can I change? How can I also be changed by this? I think this might just be the central message of our faith, although we don't always want to believe it. We would much rather avoid those areas of our lives where we struggle where we are not perfect. But I believe human perfection comes to its closest when we can handle our own imperfection. Let me say that again. There is no such thing as human perfection, and we come closest to it in how we handle our own imperfections. John Wesley, the founder of the people called Methodist, called us to be perfected in love. Not saying you will never sin again, but to allow our lives to be so captured by God's love that it drives everything else we do. Not only allowing us to truly love ourselves and not in some egotic, self-centered way, but love ourselves that truly sees and understands our imperfections so that we may then love another. Because when I know that I've experienced grace, when I know that I am deeply loved, even when I drop the ball, it allows me to reach out to my brothers and sisters in love and extend grace as well. Because you know what? They're just like me. And it's in that place God's grace takes root and takes hold of us. The third and final movement flows to these first two. Not only understanding who we want to be and accepting ourselves but realizing we can always trust God. God is good all the time. We don't always feel like that. I remember when I first met Mary Jack, she, she is my sunlight to my darkness. She is a, a ray of, of joy and wonder and I can be the doctor of gloom. Um, and I thank God for that. And I remember the first time she said, God is good. And I went, really? Yes, God is good all the time. And I'm thinking, oh, I don't really want to say that. You know, because I don't always feel that at times. I mean, well, life doesn't go the way I want. I mean, I think I don't get the things that I think I need. Uh, God, come on, give me a break. Can't I have? No, God is good all the time. God's love is present everywhere. And I don't get the things I want because I didn't need them. God always gives me what I need, and the same is true for all of us. 
we learn to trust God is good all the time because we love God and we know how much God loves us. So then we can then be the body of Christ. We then can be the hands and the feet. We can be those who share the good news. Jesus called Peter to move beyond his mere belief to a faith that trusts God's grace and he does the same for us so that we can become the people of God, the body of Christ, his hands, his love, doing the ministry of his Father in and through our lives in the everyday mundane minutia, as well as the moments that we are on top. It's not about being perfect nor how good we look. It's about being people who know they are, who they are and accepting themselves as they are embraced by Jesus' love and grace. It's about people who have found their center, that place of grace from each day they live, no matter what happens throughout that day. And they are the ones, you and I, who tend his flock, who feed his sheep. And in doing so, not only will we touch our own lives, but we will change the world. I believe that. The love of God is what will change this world. Look out there, folks. It's the only thing that'll change this world. And God's chosen instrument, it's us, the people of God. So I ask you again, what is your center? Who do you want to become? Can you accept yourself? Can you accept God's grace and God's love? And will you share it with the world around you? Thank you for listening to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast for Centenary United Methodist Church. We hope that you will consider joining us for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 or 11 a.m. Blessings. Blessings.